All right, Luke 2, verse 25. Hope you got your Bibles open there. Let's read the first couple verses here. It says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, again, with this man, Simeon, there's not a lot that we know about Simeon other than these, these 10, 11 verses that we have here in, in Luke's gospel. Uh, we don't know much uh, about him. Uh, we don't really know how old he was. Many believe that he was a very old person. Some believe, tradition, uh, would say he's, he was around 113 years old. We don't know exactly. Scripture doesn't tell us that. It's all conjecture. But the point is he's, he's being given a promise that he's not going to see death until he sees the Lord's Christ. So many believe that that's associating with this age of his, that he's ready to kind of move on, ready to, to pass on. But the Lord is giving him this promise. What we do know about Simeon, we do have some hints or not hints, but some uh, clarity about the kind of person that Simeon is, because it tells us that he's a just and devout man, all right? Uh, he's been living a life that he's desiring to honor the Lord, being devout is a, a associated with this idea of living a devotional life to God. He's been seeking the Lord. We're going to see that as we move through the text here, that he's been one that's been actively seeking the Lord, being used to the Lord. But here's what we do see about him as well, is that he's been waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's been a patient man. I want to look at three things about the life of Simeon today. Simeon's patience, Simeon's praise, and Simeon's prophecy. So we're seeing his patience right here. He's a man that's been waiting for the consolation of Israel. I don't know about you, but I'm not a guy that likes waiting. Any of you guys here love wait? Get out of here. I don't believe it. <laughs> waiting. Waiting. That's not a fun thing to do. There's one thing that the Lord really needs to work on, me and my sanctification. I think it would be patience. Now, I mean, I'm a pretty chill guy. I'm pretty patient. Have you seen the staff that I have to work with? I'm a very patient man. Um, uh, so, like, but here's the thing. When I need to get from point A to point B, I don't like waiting or delaying. I want to get to where I need to go. So I'm like pulling up on, you know, Apple Maps. We're the, the quickest way I can get from point A to point B. And when I see the ETA on there, I see it as a challenge. I'm like, I'm going to beat that. That's not, no, I'm going to get ahead of that time. That's kind of how I sort of function. And so sometimes I'm in so much of a hurry. I'm like just getting in the car. I get going. My wife's barely closing the door. I get going down the driveway and I'm like, honey, can you punch in where we're going? I want to see the best. And she's like, it's okay. We'll, we'll just find it along the way. I'm like, what is the matter with you? We don't roll that way. Like, come on, I, get in there. I want to know exactly the quickest way because that's kind of the way that I am. I, I don't like waiting or delaying. I want to get to where I need to go. That's kind of, and so waiting can be, I think for a lot of us, it is for me. I'm, I'm opening myself up to, you know, my uh, areas of, of, you know, prayer here, but um, it is for me a, a hard thing to wait. It's difficult for us. We live in a day and an age, right, where everything's instant, instant gratification. If, you know, we're like ordering stuff on Amazon and that doorbell is not ringing by the time we hit, you know, okay, check out, it's like, what's taking so long, right? I mean, that's how they, they, they are conditioning us now. Everything's just going to be right away. You remember as a kid waiting Christmas Eve, 
going to bed Christmas Eve, having to wait till Christmas. That was hard, right? For some of you, it's still hard. It's still a challenge for you guys. You're going to bed, you're like, yeah, wait. I'm so excited, you know, see the kids open, all that stuff. But waiting is difficult. And here's Simeon. He's waiting for something that he believes is to come. And he's waiting for the constellation of Israel. Now, that's kind of an odd descriptive. When we read that, that's something that maybe we just look over and go, what is that talking about? What is the constellation of Israel? What is it that Simeon's waiting for? Well, that word constellation in the Greek is the word periklesis, which means to exhort, to encourage, or to comfort. That's what I want you to grab a hold of here today, to comfort. It's what Jesus, remember when Jesus said, I'm going to send another helper, parakletos, which he referred to as the comforter, the comforter. And so here now, what we've seen, what Simeon has been waiting for is what the Old Testament has already been revealing to us, that God is going to send a comforter or a deliverer. The word comforter oftentimes had very much messianic overtones to it. That was something that was associated with the promised Messiah, the one that God was going to bring to be a, a deliverer, a savior into the world. So Simeon's been waiting for this. He's been seeing it in scripture and he's waiting and he's holding on for these things. These were promises given and associated with the coming Messiah. So Simeon's been holding on, waiting for the fruition of what God has already pronounced. So when we read there that he's not just waiting, he's a just and devout man. Again, that's tied to this idea of he's living a faithful life. In other words, he's not been giving up. He's not getting complacent. He's not getting discouraged going, Lord, I'm getting old. When is this going to happen? I would have loved to have seen this in my lifetime. But Lord, it looks like that's not going to happen. He's not losing hope. He's not giving up. He's living a faithful life, not complaining or becoming complacent. He's been honoring the Lord by patiently waiting on him and for him. And you see what's interesting about that is that there's been nothing happening in that time when Simeon's been living that would give him any indication that this is a time when God's going to really move. That here's a moment where this comforter, the constellation of Israel is going to break through because it's been a very dark time. It's been a very difficult time. They haven't heard from the Lord, there's been no prophets raised up in some 400 years where they're receiving this prophetic, you know, voice of, of God. No, nothing has been happening in this time that would reveal to Simeon, like, this may be the moment for the constellation, the comforter. He's not waiting because he's seeing things put into place. He's waiting simply because of what the word of God has said all along. And he's holding on to that word of the Lord. And yet Simeon is living in such a time when he's going to be given the incredible privilege of witnessing. <laughs> and not just witnessing, but, but holding and beholding the very Messiah, Jesus Christ. You know, it, it's not really different than what we're experiencing today. Because when we look at what's going on in the world around us, we don't see things getting better. We don't see things becoming more Christianized. In fact, it's sad to see, you know, people that have once been tracking with the Lord drifting away now. Many have seen what's going on in the world and it's brought greater discouragement or disillusionment to where they've just kind of given up. And they stopped waiting, trusting in the, in the comforter to come or just in the comfort of God alone. 
Many are no longer looking up for the hope that we know is coming. The very one that's going to make all things new again. But Simeon stands as a great example for us here today of one who is wise in the midst of darkness and dismay in the world. He waited patiently for the promise of God in a time where there seemed to be no response from heaven. And you see, as we wait on the Lord and hold on to the promises that are already revealed to us in the word of God, knowing that this is a dependable word that we can stand on and trust in, when we begin to just turn more to the Lord, trust him, live a devoted, faithful life, we're going to be comforted by the Lord. That's what his desire is for us. Now, again, this period of waiting is not to produce a time of waning. Sometimes people go, well, I'm just waiting, which means I'm doing nothing. That's not what Simeon's doing. He's continuing on, just devout, worshiping the Lord. We're going to see him going to the temple. He's continuing to seek the Lord, to serve the Lord. He's not sitting back getting just bitter or again, like I said, getting lethargic and complacent. He's continuing on to be waiting in a way that's producing worship. That's what we, when we talk about waiting on the Lord, we're not talking about doing nothing. Scripture talks a lot about wait on the Lord. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Mount up on wings like eagles. That doesn't mean sit back and do nothing. It means continue to worship the Lord. Serve him. And Simeon is doing just that. And as he's doing that, he's being guided by the Spirit, guided and governed. Three times we see in this passage the relationship of Simeon with the Holy Spirit. First of all, we've seen at the end of verse 25 that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Okay? So he's a man that's being filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is upon him. He's not giving up. He's remaining faithful. And now we see the Holy Spirit begin to reveal truth to him. It's the Holy Spirit that revealed to him that he would not see death before he sees the Lord's Christ. So the Holy Spirit is revealing truth to him. And that's the same for us as we are having the Holy Spirit upon us, filling us. As we open up scripture, we, we pray the Holy Spirit is leading us in these things and leading us in truth. And so it says that he's going to not see death until he sees the Lord's Christ. Now that term, the Lord's Christ, Christ simply means Messiah, all right? Uh, it's the, the one that they've been waiting for, the, the one that God is going to bring, the very son of God that's gonna be the deliverer to the world. That's what's, Lord's Christ kind of sounds odd when you put those two together, but it's speaking of the son of God the Messiah that's going to come to the world, the promised deliverer for the people and for the forgiveness of sins. And now through the Holy Spirit, we're going to see Simeon led right to where he's going to encounter this very promise of God. Look at what we read in verse 27. As we look now at Simeon's praise. So Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in this child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So Simeon is now, he's led to the temple by the spirit. 
And this is great because it's right at the time when Mary and Joseph are coming. It tells, tells us that they're coming to do for Jesus according to the custom of the law. There was, after eight days of his birth, uh, all male uh, children were circumcised. And there's a time of purification that was waited upon. Then they come and offer their sacrifices at a later date. So this is about 40 days after the birth of Jesus or so. And, and Mary and Joseph are being directed to the temple. Right at the same time, the Holy Spirit is leading Simeon to go there. And Simeon, he's received the promise. You're not going to see death until you see the Lord's anointed. Okay, that's great. But Simeon may have wondered, well, how am I going to know? What's this Messiah going to look like? Would Simeon even think of finding a baby? Would he even think this is the way it's going to happen? Is he going to the temple and just grabbing random babies, holding them up? Is this the one, God? While mother's like, what are you doing? Give me my baby back. You know, like, how is he working this all out? What's, what's going on in his mind, wondering, how am I going to know who the Messiah is? But we see the Lord leads him at just the right time by the Spirit. And there, the temple, Simeon is given this understanding whether it be a word of, uh, of knowledge or, or what, that this is the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. Perhaps you're wondering yourself, in your life, in a particular season you might be in, how the Lord is going to fulfill a work in your life, how he's going to carry out his purposes, how God's going to work through the situations in your life. Maybe you're wondering, how is this all going to play out? And maybe you're going, I, I, don't, I don't really sense the leading of the Holy Spirit here. I, I really doubt how anything positively or in, in a positive way can happen in my life. But what we see here in this passage with Simeon is that God is in complete control of all things. He's directing all things, bringing all things together to accomplish his purposes and his will. You may not always be the one that he's steering and directing, and maybe he's directing people to you to minister to you, but he's at work to accomplish his purposes and to bring comfort to you. Now, what gets me in this story with Simeon is that he's been waiting for the Lord's Christ, the comfort for the world. And remember, it's been a very difficult time in, in and around uh, Israel at this time. The nation of Israel hasn't really heard from God in a prophetic way for some 400 years. Rome has now, you know, taken over. Israel's lost their political independence and now they're living in some fear of King Herod. It's not been a very glorious time for them. And with all that, people are thinking, we're going to need a, a mighty big leader right now to help us, to bail us out, to overcome all these obstacles that are in front of us. We're going to need the Messiah to come and really be mighty for us. And as Simeon is led to the temple, what does he see? A baby. And he holds him up and reveals, oh my goodness, now your servant can depart in peace because now I've seen your salvation. How many of us would look at a baby and go, this is the answer we're looking for. This is the one that's going to help us out of all of our need. Not many people are going to be concluding that way by looking at a baby. How would you have responded? That's like saying, God, I really need a car because I'm in great need just to be able to, you know, get around. God says, here's a steering wheel. Have 
have fun. You know, like we're going, how's that going to help me? This doesn't, this doesn't work. But Simeon picks Jesus up, this little baby, and he begins to do what? He begins to sing. He begins to praise. And what is he saying? That he can now go in peace. As verse 29 says, he cannot go in peace because he's seen the Lord's salvation. How wonderful. That's why Jesus went through all of this. It's why he came to this world and allowed himself to be subjected to some man picking him up as a baby and singing over him. Jesus came to bring salvation. This is what Mary was told in Matthew 1, verse 21. She will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And now Simeon says, I can, I can depart in peace now. At most likely very old age, he says, Oh, I can depart in peace. Are we able to say that in our lives? Are we able to say that about us, that we are at peace today with God and with others? If, if we were to depart today, or if the Lord Jesus were to come back today, can we say, I'm ready to go in peace? Or would we be more inclined to say, oh boy, that really caught me off guard. I wasn't really expecting that right now. I still got things going on in my life that I got to take care of. Are we at peace, ready to see Jesus? Because Jesus came to bring us into peace, ultimately, with our Heavenly Father. Because understand the real meaning about Christmas and the first advent of Jesus, because we associate Christmas with a lot of wonderful things. You know, family time, <clears throat> sitting around the table, enjoying great meals together, presents under the tree. We associate Christmas with a lot of things, and they're all wonderful things. But oftentimes, we fail to really understand why Jesus came. And he came in that first advent as one of us, as a little baby born into this world, and he came to rescue us, to save us. He grew up. He lived a perfect life that ultimately would lead him to the cross. And he came to do a work for us that we couldn't do because, you see, we fail to recognize our condition oftentimes. People oftentimes don't grab a hold of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because they don't understand the bad news. And we understand the bad news so that we all the more say, I need this good news. The bad news is, is that we were separated from God because of our sin. Right from the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned and it caused a, the fall of humanity. The Bible says, there are none that's righteous, no, not one. We're all guilty. We all fall short of God's standard of righteousness, meaning that none of us can earn our way to God. It means that we were all separated, cut off from God. He created us to be in relationship with him, but sin marred all of that. And it caused us to have separation to where the Bible says that we were at enmity with God. It's like we were at war with God. There was no peace in other words. But Jesus came to die on a cross. And by dying on a cross, he was paying the penalty for our sin. He was appeasing the very wrath of God that that wrath of God wouldn't be poured out on us, but that 
we could receive the righteousness of Christ and be brought into a right standing with God and thus now be at peace with God. That's the good news for us is that we as believers in Christ who put their faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins can now be at peace with God. Not just enjoy the peace of God, which is great, but we're at peace with God. Yeah, have you received that today? Do you know that peace in your life today? Because Simeon understood that this was all provided through Jesus, who was to provide salvation. And notice this. It wasn't just to provide salvation for a select group. It wasn't an exclusive work for just Simeon or just for Israel. Notice what he says. He says in verse 30 again, <clears throat> for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. See, this is something that God did, not just for the good people, not just for a select people. This is a work that God did for all people that all may come and enjoy the salvation of the Lord, the forgiveness of sins, and to enjoy a right standing with God that we can now experience the blessed peace of God and peace with God. Yeah, God is so good. And that's what we oftentimes kind of separate from Christmas. But it's the very reason why Christ came. And it's reason to celebrate. Now, after seeing Simeon respond this way, Joseph and Mary are just kind of left in amazement. They're still processing all that's going on with their newborn, having shepherds come and visit, you know, uh, where Jesus was born and seeing all these events happening. And now they're seeing this man, stranger, come and pick him up and, and just hold him up and say, thank you, Lord, I can now depart in peace. I, I mean, their hearts are being stirred. Look at what we read next. So we look at Simeon's prophecy, verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This is an incredible prophecy that Simeon speaks forth that I'm sure neither he or, or Joseph or Mary really knew the magnitude of this truth. I think it's, it's very fair to say and to ask, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that you're... Okay, all right, you get, you get the idea. <laughs> Enough of that. See, Mary understood that, yes, she was giving birth to a very special child. An angel pronounces that, that birth to her. She knew that this would be the one that would forgive the world of their sins, but how that would be accomplished, I don't think Mary really grasped fully. How would that be accomplished? And yet now Simeon begins to reveal a few things. That a sword's going to pierce through your own soul also. Also. Jesus himself would be nailed to the cross, pierced. A Roman soldier would thrust a spear into his side to be certain of his death. And Mary would be there witnessing and experiencing all these things, probably never fathoming that it would come to that. And her own soul would be pierced through in grief and agony to see 
her son go through that. But Simeon is prophesying this for us to reveal that this is what it's going to take. Jesus' sacrifice for us to be redeemed, forgiven, saved, and to receive this new life in him. Simeon says that this child is destined, in verse 34, for the fall and rising of many in Israel. See, Jesus came to bring peace and salvation, but yet it'll also bring division. Sadly, it'll bring division. Those that received him would rise to eternal life, and those that denied and rejected him would fall to the lowest depths. Unfortunately, And there's no neutral ground in this. There's a lot of people have to say, well, yeah, I'm a good person. Oh, I believe that Jesus was a good person too. And I'm just trying to live my life uh, according to, you know, what he modeled for us. And, and you kind of take this neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. You either accept him as your Lord and Savior, meaning you recognize you need saving. And your sin has cut you off from God but he came to do the work for you that we couldn't do. You either receive him as your Lord and Savior or you reject him. And here's the thing. What does Simeon end with? That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. See, God's looking at your heart. We can all put on a show oftentimes, and, and we've been seeing this in our study in Matthew with the Sermon on the Mount where the religious leaders put on this great act and display of righteous living. But what did Jesus say? Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus began to show how he looks at the heart. It's not the outward things that you do. It's what you truly believe in your heart. Have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you looked to him? Not about what you do, but what you've accepted as done for you. And that takes humility. To receive that, to say, I can't earn my way. I can't be right with God by what I do. I need another. I need Jesus, the only righteous one. And yet when we give our lives to him and we believe in our heart that he is truly the son of God who died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins and rose again, we are saved and we're clothed in his righteousness. That begins right there in the heart. And Jesus is looking at where your heart is today. It's not just about a head knowledge, not about action. It's about where's your heart. Have you opened your heart to Jesus today? Simeon reveals that to us in the importance of this. And as we open our hearts to him, oh, the comforter comes in. Comforts, blesses. Encourage, strengthens us. We walk now in this assurance of salvation. He's done it all for us. Have you received him today? I pray that your hearts will be full of Jesus over this Christmas season, not just the Christmas season, but every day that you live, that your hearts will be full of Jesus, that you understand and recognize what he's done for you. He's made it all possible, and that's why he came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's not just candy canes and eggnog. It's that Jesus came 
as one of us to die on a cross, to bring us into a right standing with God, to have peace with God, to forgive us of our sin. I pray that you've received that today. Worship team, I'm gonna invite you to come back and and if you're listening to this message and your heart right now is going, and I, I don't really know where I'm at. I don't know if, if Jesus were to come back today or if I, were to, if I were to die today, am I ready to depart in peace? Am I assured of that salvation? Maybe you're questioning that today. That's a good thing because you need to question that. But it's not a question that you need to linger in or leave unanswered. It's a question that you can have answered with certainty today. Because salvation is a free gift. It's not something that we have to work for or earn. It's something, again, that you simply believe in your heart. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And maybe you're here today and you've never done that. And you've been trying to live your life in a good way. But now you're confronted with the reality that no matter how good we are, we'll never make it. Because his righteousness is so much greater. That's why Jesus came. He was the only righteous one. So I encourage you, if you are having those questions unanswered about, can I depart in peace? I encourage you right now today to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Open your heart to him. The Bible says that we just need to simply confess our sin and repent, which means to turn away from that life and say, I'm going to go God's way. I'm going to turn to Jesus. And Jesus, I confess my sin and that I'm in need of saving. Come, be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me my sin. I want to live for you and I want to live in you, Jesus. It's just simply putting on Christ, putting on Jesus Christ as the provider for the forgiveness of sins. Would you do that today if you've never done that? If you haven't done that, would you just close your eyes with me, everybody? And just in your own heart, just pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I thought I could make it on my own, but I see today I can't. But it's why you came to this world. You came and lived as one of us. You lived and you died the death that we deserved, but so that we could be spared. You've appeased the wrath of God, so I don't have to experience that. So I confess I'm in need of your forgiveness, Jesus. I'm in need of your salvation. Come and be my Lord and my Savior. Save me, forgive me. I want to live my life for you. I give you my life now. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And those of you that have prayed that prayer, as simple as it is, the Bible says you become a new creation. You're, you're born again a child of God. You're made new now, today, simply by putting your faith in Jesus. And if you've done that today, I encourage you to come and share that with me or those that will be available for prayer in the front. If you're watching online, would you send us an email because we would love to share more with you about this exciting life that Jesus has for us. Let this Christmas be a Christmas that we truly celebrate for all the right reasons. All right? So, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. We're so grateful for all you've done for us, Jesus. 
May we be like Simeon, continuing to worship you as we're waiting, as we serve you, Lord, but just being blessed in the goodness of God, the salvation that we've already experienced. Lord, we thank you for it all. We pray this in your name. Amen.